Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman, joined by my co-host, Alan Stark, tonight. We are previewing the free agent defensive ends in terms of what the Falcons might be looking for this offseason. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we did uh, yesterday, uh, we did the uh, defensive tackles with our good friend Charles McDonald. It's just going to be the two of us, Alan and Aaron, here talking defensive ends, edge rushers, whatever you want to call them. They're all the same in my book. And uh, Alan, get us started. Even though it doesn't seem the Falcons are going to spend boatloads of money on a pass rusher to play draft one, we still want to talk about it because look, there's still possibilities out there, anything could happen, and there's still a a definite need with the edge rushing core. You obviously have Beasley, Claiborne, Brooks Reed, who may still be on the team. We'll see what happens because there have been a couple of rumblings that the Falcons are going to make some cuts in the coming days. So we'll monitor that. But I think the one pass rush that stands out is Nick Perry. Yeah, with uh, Ingram and Pierre Paul and Chandler Jones off the market, I think Nick Perry shoots to the top of the list uh, as the guy in terms of if you if you're looking to make a splash for an edge rusher this year this offseason then he's probably the guy. I think there's a dramatic drop off. I know Jabal Sheard is considered number two, but I think there is a significant drop off when you compare Perry and Sheard. I think Perry's more of a complete player. He's much more I know both players are kind of violent, but Perry has a decent speed rush, and he plays a run extremely well, too. And if you use him in a variety of ways, I see Green Bay use him on a couple of twists. I know New England likes using Sheard on a couple of twists, too, but I just think Perry offers more to the table. He's more versatile. Well, people will say I'm biased in this one, but I think they're about the same, on the same level as players. Um, I think Perry's a good player. I think Sheard is a good player. Um, I think he's been very good in New England um, over the last few years. I know he sort of his play and his production and his playing time tailed off in the second half of uh, 2016, largely I think because New England sort of adjusted their scheme and, and sort of saw Ninkovich and Chris Long as a little bit better fits in that uh, in sort of what they were trying to do with a little bit more of a 3-4 look after they traded Jamie Collins than the sort of traditional 4-3 look that they were sort of Uh, going with before that but um yeah I think Perry's a good player I think he has a little bit um he can bring something to the table he's probably a lot like Sheard where he's ideally the second best pass rusher on your team as opposed to the the lead dog but I do think he can provide some pressure for uh, a team certainly like the Falcons who um, are looking for someone to sort of be that uh, uh partner in crime to Vic Beasley uh, if Adrian Claiborne isn't already that player. I know his stats might not show up, but I don't think Perry's going to be a one-hit wonder. I look at him as a player that could be a double-digit sack, or at least eight sacks a year, if not more. Yeah, I think that's 
is a minimum. So it's really whether he, because I, if you recall, Green Bay, did they rush him off from the left side or the right side? Uh, my recollection, you mean left side of defense or, or offensive line? Defensive. Um, left side of the defense, I recall seeing him more on the left side of the defense, right side of the offensive line. Because you always have to take into consideration how they're going to treat Beasley because you wonder if this might be the year where Beasley moves around more or rather just stay on his pet and left side. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Falcons sort of adjust Beasley's role. My expectation is a little bit more him playing, standing up as a linebacker a little bit more than he did last year. He seemed to only do that maybe like eight times all year long. Um, I, I think, you know, we might see that number triple, maybe not do much more than that this season. But it'll be interesting to see if the Falcons do that. Uh, you say Perry is a eight-sack minimum guy. I think he's kind of an eight-sack maximum guy. That I don't see him as, as that type of dude. Um, who, who's, he had four sacks with a broken hand this year. He's a good player, but I, I don't see him replicating that um, to the degree that he's gonna that he did in Green Bay. Because I, you know, the way I saw him, it was he was, you know, he was viewed as their third best pass rusher, and um, when he got on the field, you know, he was getting teamed with Dayton Jones quite a bit, and so he was providing pressure reliably in those instances but um you know i don't think green bay necessarily saw him as an elite guy we'll see what somebody else does but i think he'll sign for some team and he'll be expected to be this sort of lead dog and what similar to what we saw with olivier vernon um you know i I think sort of his limitations will be a little bit more exposed in another environment green bay might view him as their third best pass rusher, but the rest of the league certainly does it. I don't think anyone's viewing Clay Matthews as a better player than Nick Perry. Fair enough. But, you know, I, I, I do think, different than you, I, I do think we saw probably, from a production standpoint, maybe his best season this past year. I think the big reflect of Perry is that he's never played 16 games. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a factor into it. He's had a broken hand, broken foot. And like I think when Robert Mays wrote a piece on him, uh, 2015 was the first year he went to OTAs healthy. So that's kind of alarming. Yeah, that's not usually a thing. If, if you're injury prone for three or four years coming into the league, it's not like that's going to suddenly change in the second half of your career, generally speaking. I would still take the risk. I'm very high on Nick Perry. I thought he had a tremendous season. Uh, depending on price tag, but I I think people could get excited if he was a Falcon. I think he's going to turn 27 this year, so I think he's going to be entering his prime, and as we've seen with numerous pass rushers, it takes a couple of years for them to get going. Look at a player like Whitley, Whitney Merciless or D Ford. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fair comparison. I, Nick Perry's a talented player. I just don't see him as a guy that's going to be consistently um, a high Rated, highly rated pass rusher. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't be against the Falcons signing him, but I just I don't see him as this guy that's going to dominate in Atlanta. You know, he's kind of a a solid player. He's got a decent bull rush, a decent first step. Um, can do, can do some things like that, but he's not a dynamic guy. Uh, you know, I, I think he. You know, I'm going to say this name, and people are immediately going to roll their eyes because um, they're only going to remember the time of what he was in Atlanta, but, uh, you know, he reminds me a lot of what Ray Edwards was in Minnesota. 
<sighs> which is a good player, but um, he wasn't Jared Allen. He wasn't um, uh, Kevin Williams. Um, okay. Ridiculous comparison, but okay. It's not a ridiculous. Why is it a ridiculous comparison? Perry has shown a lot more as a pass rusher than did Ray Edwards not? ever did. Okay. All right. Five, when five. was Ray Edwards ever considered a really good pass rusher? Uh, the last two years he was in Minnesota where he was consistently rated as a top 10 pass rusher by Pro Football Focus. Was he really? Yes, he was. In 2010, that's 2011? What, that's, that's 2009, 2010. That's why everybody was so excited about signing Ray Edwards because he was a young pass rusher that had started to come into his own his last two years in Minnesota. And everybody thought, oh, we'll get him across from John Abraham. He's only going to blossom and he's going to be that next great pass rusher. And then he wasn't. Okay, I don't recall. And I think Minnesota's defensive line is far superior compared to the current Green Bay defensive line. Okay, Mike Daniels. Julius Peppers are trash, yeah. Uh, Jared Allen was like a top three pass rusher. Okay. Kevin Williams is in his prime still. Mike Daniels. Kevin Williams, that dude's eating. Mike Mike Daniels is not in his prime? Uh, Mike Daniels is very good, but I'm talking about another throw off the edge. Peppers is decent, but come on. So you you think Nick Perry's the best pass rusher the Packers have? Last year? Off the edge or... As a whole. As a whole. As a whole, no, I would take Daniels. Okay, but second best. He's the best off the edge. Yes, I would take more of Peppers. Okay. I don't Without agree. Without hesitation. There's a lot of games where Peppers kind of faded. That's fair enough. Peppers is 36 years old. I know. So I, that shouldn't be sound surprising. Nick Perry had 11 sacks. The guy was productive. I know we're, we're not going on and on about sacks, but... He did a lot of good things, and let's take it into consideration. He plays the run really well too. Okay. So, I don't get this whole like Ray Edwards. Like, I know Ray Edwards had upside, but I don't remember people really describe Ray Edwards as like this pure passer. Like I think Nick Perry has the potential to be like that. That's because Ray Edwards bombed so dramatically in Atlanta that nobody remembers that for five years in Minnesota he was a pretty good player. All right. Well, look, if I wasn't sixteen years old at the time, maybe I would remember better, but. Unfortunately, I was a young, very young at the time. All right. So let's move anyway, on. Anyway, the other pass rushers we did talk about Sheer quite a bit. I don't know. You reminds me like, do you see the comparisons with Adrian Claiborne? Uh, you know, I think Sheer brings versatility. You can play inside, uh, outside. Um, yeah, I, I I get those Claiborne comparisons. You know, he was very good uh, until this past year for New England, and you can make the argument in the first half of the season he was the the best pass rusher they had on their team until they made adjustments midway through the season. Ironically, Sherb was on my free agency wish list two years ago when he was a free agent coming out of Cleveland. So it's kind of funny to see him back on the market. Uh, I just think given that they have Claiborne Shelby, I don't think they would want someone like Sherb, especially his price tag. It's not going to be super high, but I think you're still going to pay pretty well for him. So to me, I don't see – I just – I want – you, Atlanta, they're going to probably get someone that's like a pure pass rusher, pure uh, rush off the edge, just based on uh, how the roster is structured right now. Okay. Well, everything you said about Nick Perry, I sort of think about Jabal Shear. Yeah, but isn't Shear like, isn't he like 275, 280? I think it's like 265. So he's the same, he's the same size as Perry, because Perry's 260. All right, Shear's 268. So, yeah, it's not too far. I don't know. I view Sheard as this bigger guy, but 
I guess they're wrong, but I don't make because New England rotating around a lot. Yeah. Uh, either way, I think we could say I highly doubt the Falcons sign either of these players, but not likely. We, yeah, but you do want to mention them just because they are up there. And look, every year the edge rusher is on the top of our priorities. It always will be, forever and ever. Maybe in two years it won't be. Maybe. If only they listened to me two years ago and signed Brandon Graham. If only they listened to me 12 years ago and drafted Will Smith. Will Smith? 13 years ago, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm dating myself. But how would that affect today? Well, you know, pretty much every every draft from 2004 to like 2015, I went into Falcons to use their number one pick on an edge rusher. So it starts with Will Smith, not necessarily ends with him. Oh, okay. I was about to say. Yeah. What are we talking about? And if, if you want to take consideration that in, I believe it was at 06, they did use their first round pick on essentially John Abraham. Yes, they did. And then they used their first round pick on Jamal Anderson the next year, and then nothing else for the next eight years. <laughs> oh, man. Great evaluation skills. Yes. So you were that guy that wanted Glenn Dorsey over Matt Ryan? Uh, no, I didn't want Glenn Dorsey over Matt Ryan, but it, it seemed like that was a, an option for the Falcons. I wanted both Glenn Dorsey and Matt Ryan. Like to me, the the dream scenario was taking Glenn Dorsey, um, and then trading back up to get Matt Ryan. Ah, uh, okay. Now, obviously, you know, I'm glad that that sort of ridiculous uh, scenario never worked out, and you know, I was. One of eight Falcon fans that was fist pumping when we did draft Matt Ryan because I, I really did like Matt Ryan. Hey, they trade up for Sam Baker. There you go. Uh, let's talk about the rest of this edge rushing pool. A lot of older players. Everyone's in their mid thirties. Uh, who's the most intriguing name on this list, Aaron? Are the old guys or everybody else? Well, everyone else is essentially old, right? I mean... Like, there's nothing but old. It's like Eric Walton's 31. Maybe he's not old. You know, depending on how you feel about Alex Okafor and, and, and Andre Branch or, and Devin Taylor, you know, they're not okay. old. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily see any of those guys as, as problem solvers, just more like, we need a body. Um, what about Georgia great Jarvis Jones? No, no. Uh, hard pass on Jarvis Jones. He can... is, is he like the Cordy Upshaw of this free agency? Uh, not Cordy Upshaw of this year. I'm talking Cordy Upshaw last year where he was just a colossal bust. I, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, I can see where you're coming from with that comparison. So I, I can't really disagree with it. I feel like Courtney Upshaw had a little bit more going for him, and that's coming from me, um, who did not think Courtney Upshaw had really anything going for him last year. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that comparison right there. Jarvis Jones, six sacks in four seasons. I mean, he's the poster child for why, you know, athleticism does matter as a pass rusher and why people pay attention to that stuff during the combine. Yeah, yeah, because he didn't measure out too well, right? No, he he tested as poorly as Michael Sam did. Two years, two three years ago, oh, and uh, you know, people just looked at his production 
Yeah, that's a great pass rusher in the SEC. And look, I was one of those people that was like, oh, Jarvis Jones might fall to the Falcons. And I forget where we were picking that year. And it was like, I'd be interested in that um, just based off of what he did at Georgia and you know how Georgia has usually produced pretty good pass rushers like Justin Houston and among others over the years. And, um, you know, it, it didn't quite work out in that way. So, you know. Oh, Okafer is somebody that kind of caught my eye. I remember in 2014, he had eight sacks. That was that Cardinals team that was surprisingly really good, although they somehow lost the Falcons, which we'll never understand. But then, I don't know, he kind of slipped. He's been a little injury prone, and then the trade for Chandler Jones, so he's been pretty much a situational player. They do use on a couple of, I saw, Zog Blitzes. They'll put Golden Jones and Oak Frater, and we've seen Dan Quinn use Claiborne bees like Frater. So maybe that's something there. He could be like a, not a day two or day three sign, but maybe somebody could get next week. And if things don't pan out, they want to get just another body in there. Because who knows? Maybe he'll be cheaper than Brook Street. Maybe you can put Okafer in the base package. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember that game, was it 2014, I think, which, which one of those games where he, he was giving Ryan Schrader a lot of problems in that game. So that was a game that sort of stood out in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, if you can get like four or five games like that where he can get a couple of pressures here and there, um, you know, that's like peak Brooks Reed type of play. And if you can get that for much cheaper than what we're going to be paying Brooks Reed, then I think it's a worthwhile move, as you say, sort of a, a low-key sort of, second slash third wave of free agency type of move if you can get him on the cheap but uh he, he's certainly not a guy that's gonna you know fix your problems he's just more uh, a decent reclamation project that you could sort of roll the dice on if you can get him for a real cheap deal he's 26 and i just feel like he brings more size and athleticism off the edge besides beasley they're really lacking that yeah like, i'm not sure sure if okafer could like exactly spy a quarterback but he's somebody at least you could see bend the edge Swat a couple passes at the line of scrimmage. Like I, line really lacked that last year. Especially when you watch Beasley, basically being the only player that could really make those kind of plays. Yeah, you know he's uh, he's a little bit more physical than guys like Beasley. Um, are not quite on the same level as a, a guy like Upshaw, but uh, you know he's sort of a sort of tweener in between those two guys. And and if, if you're looking for that type of player that can sort of be a little bit more of a brute on the edge, but also has enough speed to sort of get some pressure off the edge, then Okafor could be your guy. You mentioned Andre Branch. I haven't really thought about him. you giving him any consideration. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he had kind of sort of a breakout year. He, he came into the league with a lot of expectations, sort of failed, didn't live up to those in, in Jacksonville, then, you know, got a fresh start elsewhere, and then the sort of, I wouldn't, I don't know if blossom is the right word, but uh, was very productive um, for that Dolphin team, way more productive than the great Mario Williams um, while playing across from Cam Wake. You just wonder if it's so much of his success was playing across from Cam Wake and on the same line as a guy like Indomitian Sue. So, you know, he's he's more of a situational third pass rusher. But if you're looking for a young guy that can sort of potentially take over that Dwight Freeney role as the a nickel guy, then I, I think, he, you know, He'd be a worthwhile option there. Let's get into the older pass rushers. A lot of notable names. Who intrigues you the most? Um, 
you know, we talked about this off air the other night. Um, I think the two guys that are most prominent on that is is Peppers and, and Demarcus Ware. I know you're more of a Ware guy. I I tend to be a little bit more of a Peppers guy, not because of any sort of reasons that to believe that Peppers is a better player at this point, but he's Julius Peppers, and uh, you know he's he's one of those freaks. And if we're if we're collecting 2002. Um, uh, draft picks that are future Hall of Famers, and and we we did we got one with Freeney. Might as well double dip and get one with Peppers this year. I don't know. I don't think you go wrong with either. I think the big concern with where is uh, he ruptured his disc. That's usually a really concerning injury, especially when he's good to thirty five. I really don't know how much more he has left. But you could say same with Peppers. With Peppers, has been relatively durable. Uh, both are. Situational passage at this point, but Denver played where a lot last year. Did you notice that? Yeah, I mean, especially considering how many young pass rushes they had, they they probably should have pulled the page from the Falcons and done a better job keeping them on a pitch count. And it, it seemed to sort of bite them in the butt in the end. Maybe they realized, all right, this defense can only really allow ten points for us to win. Keep the Marcus Ware, maybe we'll get a strip sack. Hopefully, this offense could score with thirty yards. Yeah, you know, I think it also might be sort of the um, the status of Demarcus Ware. Sort of, you can't like Freeney's. Everybody knows Freeney's like four or five years past his prime, and he's just basically accepted this role the last couple of years as this sort of nickel fifteen twenty snap a game guy and been successful doing it. And I don't think Ware has reached that point in his career yet, or at least he didn't in Denver, where he sees himself and the teams that have him sees him as basically a guy that shouldn't be playing more than 15 or 20 snaps at this point. You know, he's DeMarcus Ware. He's arguably the best pass rusher to step foot on a football field in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And, um, you know, I think it's something that might have something to do with it and why he might be getting utilized a little bit more than he probably should at this point. I still would wear two significant injuries. It's not, can he handle a snap count? Just can he stay healthy at this point? Because these are two long-term injuries he suffered. Remember, he didn't play against the Falcons in the week five game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a good look. It's, you know, when your body starts to break down at this age, it's harder for you to recover from those injuries. And, um, you know, I think between those two, if you could say, 100% 100% healthy. I think Ware is probably the the superior option, certainly as a pass rusher. But I think, as you mentioned, those durability concerns. You at this point, you can't really trust him to to stay healthy at, at any point uh, moving forward. Uh, while Pepper seems to be a little bit more liable in that regard. I still see the Falcons making a one year move on either player. Like they're gonna make a one year move to probably be Freeney because it's gonna be lesser money. So that's why I don't really put much to too much stock into this, but it's Demarcus Ware, Julius Peppers. These are incredible names. Like we, I want to talk about this because just the the idea of where like, remember when Ware was unblocked and just literally killed Matt Ryan. Like I thought Matt Ryan was gonna get a stretcher. Like Sam Baker, I don't know what he was doing. Or maybe it was just uh, the pass protection set there, uh, whatever Dirk Cutter called an instance. But do you remember that? You're talking about in 2012, right? Yeah. It was on Sunday night. I'm va- like I vaguely re- that's the one game from 2012 that I have very few memories of. 
Oh my God, Demarcus Ware just unblocked, just shattered Matt Ryan. I was like, oh man. So, but yeah, everyone knows Demarcus Ware at this point. But I think he's gonna have a much bigger market than Julius Peppers. I think it's gonna be like four or five teams after Ware. I'm not sure if many teams are gonna be after Peppers. Yeah, I think he might continue his uh, NFC North tour. Maybe uh, go to Detroit or something. I don't know. Oh, why would he go to Detroit? He's 37. <laughs> Go to Katana. You might as well just stay with Green Bay. Uh, I don't know what's, what's up with him. But we'll hey, see. then again, Dwight Freeney signed up the Falcons. That was kind of a weird move at the yeah. time. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm going to go to a contender. He had to choose between Arizona and Atlanta. And I know Falcon fans felt differently. No, Cincinnati and Atlanta. Fair enough. Yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think going into the season, most people, uh, on the outside at least, would have considered Atlanta to be a stronger contender than Cincinnati. I just think Freeney realized he doesn't have many t- suitors after. I think Peppers, he, like he'll have a few. I don't know how many, but who knows? Maybe Belichick comes calling. I mean, that's the type of move that Belichick makes. Let's talk about a few others. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, he's pretty much three four, and I don't know. He's what kind of, he's kind of the definition of one hit wonder, right? Yeah, I mean he's you know he's always been a great special teams player, always been a sort of a, a decent backup and role player, but uh, yeah, it seems like a one hit wonder. Trent Cole is pretty much washed up at this point. He yeah, I mean he, he'd be intriguing, but I I haven't watched too much uh, of his tape, but everything I've heard was he he looked pretty washed last year. Yeah, like as crazy as that game he had against the Falcons back in 2011, where. Oh man, he treated Sam Baker like a toddler. He was—I never seen a bull rush like that. <laughs> well, it wasn't—it wasn't just 2011 because it was a, there was a couple of years where we played the Eagles every year. It seemed like, and Trent Cole just kept destroying Matt Ryan or whoever we put at left tackle in those games. Yeah, I was about to say like I don't think Baker started each of those games because remember he was injured quite a bit. But yeah, I think one of those was a Speed Tech game. Oh man, Will Speed Tech! Wow. Talk about a person that's never been mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Mario Williams, I really want to talk about. He's the epitome. He's, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather give Trent Cole $20 million and give Mario Williams $1. Uh, all right, I don't know about 20 million. <laughs> Why are you taking such a drastic step? <laughs> Mario Williams uh, is done. He might as well just go retire, be a hunter, do whatever he wants to do in, the, in his off time. But he, he's done as a football player, professional. Or he could sign autograph for his number one fan, Dave Choate. Yeah, you know, he's got those red eyes. So him and Corey Beerman can, you know, they can start a reality show or something. Corey Beerman's not even on this list. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> Roto World, come on. I'm seeing Evan Silva here. Oh. Uh, what about the guy that the Falcons almost signed last year, Chris Long? I was going to mention because... I was reading an interview where Long said his dad, obviously, Howie Long, pretty much talked him out of signing with Atlanta because he really loved his visit there. And Dan Quinn was really high on him, but he wanted to sign with New England because he wanted to win a championship. So I'm not sure if they're going to make a play for Chris Long, but it was clear that the interest was there. Like it, it, Just because Chris Long visited with seven different teams and kind of made the rounds, turns out the Falcons were really in the sweepstakes. Yeah, I mean, if of all these guys that we've talked about tonight, it does seem like if you're, 
making an argument if you if you you know you traveled into the future and came back and said yeah the Falcons signed the defensive end I think Chris Long would probably be the smartest bet out of all these guys we've talked about um, just because of you know the connection there he's not going to be back in New England um, and you know he, last year was sort of a kick the tires year for him and you know he wasn't amazing but he showed that he had some ability and uh, certainly could. Uh, be a better option potentially, depending on how you feel about the great Brooks Reed um, playing that um, opposite role of Vic Beasley and, and it being maybe a little bit more of a full time player um, than Brooks Reed was. And he could fill maybe at the base, right? Yeah. So that could be helpful. And look, if they want to use him, not resign Freeney. I know people have emotional ties with Freeney, and of course we do too. But at the same time. Chris Long is only 32, and he's going to give you a lot more snaps. So I definitely wouldn't mind to see Chris Long not in that 15 to 20 rep role because you could play more snaps. But if he was going to be like that veteran, I wouldn't mind it. Look, we'll miss the legendary spin move. But Chris Long showed last year, especially in the Super Bowl, that he still has something left when he was bull rushing Jake Matthews. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that's sort of the ideal role for him. You just say, okay play that base Leo spot for Brooks Reed, provide a little bit more pass rush than Brooks Reed does, and you can also still get reps in the nickel. Um, and, you know, you're basically, the idea is Chris Long potentially could combine what Freeney and Brooks Reed gave this team last season. Not, you know, I don't think he's quite that good, but it's just like in terms of what his role is, um, I think he could, you could say that he could um, do what those two guys did for the price of one. Um, and then you still have Claiborne and Beasley and, and Jarrett and whoever the Falcons sign at D-Tackle and Shelby and Hageman as well. And, and you, you you can certainly make a strong argument in that situation that the Falcons definitely beefed up the rotation and got a little bit more uh, pass rush in their base defense, which is what I've been harping on for months now. Years at this point. And let's not forget a draft pick. Yeah. Yep, you still got that op- op- option to get a, an edge rusher in the draft, which seems likely at this point, unless the Falcons go out and, and get a guy like Chris Long. Yeah, he's somebody that stood out on this list. I will see what he wants to pursue because he did say something to the extent of he wants to go somewhere where he could play like himself. So I, like, I think he's a good scheme fit, but I'm just wondering. Like, I don't think his price tag is going to be too high, but I'm just wondering if he wants to go somewhere where he – like if he still thinks he could play forty or forty five snaps, I just don't think in Atlanta that's possible. Like see what his ego's like. We'll see. Yeah, you know, and, and New England did drop him a lot in coverage, play him as a stand up edge rusher, like an outside linebacker more, uh, towards the end of the season. So maybe that's also something that he's talking about and, and maybe being a little bit more of a uh hand in the dirt, pure defensive end like he was for the Rams. Give me other names because everything looks Pretty much finished. And Paul Kruger's there, but then I signed those stinking Saint. <laughs> I mean, at this point, Paul Kruger is, is a very poor man's Chris Long, I guess. That's about the most praise you can say about him. Yeah, he really didn't flesh at all. He's already 31. It's kind of crazy. It seemed like only a few years ago he was this somewhat promising player getting paid. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he sort of had three very underwhelming years in, in Baltimore, then had that really strong playoff run when they won the Super Bowl. And then, you know, was okay in Cleveland. Uh, you know, whether that was because he was okay or whether they didn't have enough talent around him um, to make him 
look worse than what he actually was. But uh, I, I guess for me, the one name that I would mention, just because we didn't mention him yesterday, and he's probably a, a pretty big name that we should at least have a brief conversation about, even though I, I think the chances of the Falcons signing him are slim to none. Uh, what about Calais Campbell? I did see him. I, I will admit that mistake. We probably should have talked about him yesterday. It would be awesome. What can you say about Clay Campbell? He's he's a monster. I love the way he sought to pass the last scrimmage with those massive arms that that bull rush he had. Who's the left guard Washington that we talked about? Oh, Loival. Yeah, he killed oh, Sean Loival. It was <laughs> it was a murder. Was fully beat that man. So yeah, Clay Campbell. Everyone knows you're a Cardinals fanboy. I appreciate the Cardinals. Clay Campbell's been really good for several seasons now. Whatever happens to him. Hopefully he's not in Tampa Bay. That could happen. Oh, man, that would be really scary. Tampa Bay's being linked with a lot of good players. I don't know if people are concerned about that, but hey, that's competition. They should be. If they get Deshaun Jackson and Calais Campbell, that's that's, going to be a tough, tough situation for the Falcons. That's not a good matchup. Yeah. Although I will say Jameis Winston will he hit Deshaun Jackson because his accuracy on those deep balls not exactly great. Uh, yeah, look, I'm not going to sit here and put the Bucks in the Super Bowl, but um, you know, putting Jackson on the outside and, and um, Mike Evans on the outside when they go three wide, you have the possibility of having to put uh, Jalen Collins on Deshaun Jackson. That's not a good look. And you know, defensive line if their defensive line is Gerald McCoy. Uh, Calais Campbell, Noah Spence, Robert Ayers. That's uh, you know, Calais Campbell versus Andy Levitri is not something that typically works out for Andy Levitri. So, and we know Bucks Gerald McCoy basically has made a career out of beating, kicking the butt of whoever we put at right guard, other than John Asamoa. Bucks signed Calais Campbell. Falcons signed Ron Leary. You're gonna see if <laughs> Thomas Levitri is gonna lose his mind. Yo, we're dropping ten mil. I don't care. But I mean, if the Bucks get, the, you know, this is not a Bucks podcast, but if the Bucks get those two guys, the Falcons do have to sort of be like, okay, we need to make a move to, you know, play this chess game and try to match what they're doing because they are the the team that's probably the biggest challenger for the NFC South next year. If the Bucks make those moves, I'm not gonna say they're Super Bowl contender, but Mike Smith will have a head coaching job in 2018. <laughs> okay, all right. He will coach a top ten defense. I mean, it's uh, it's hard not to to buy that. You know, it sounds hyperbolic, but uh, Campbell, McCoy, David, Quinn um, Grimes, yeah, uh, yeah, they got some Who's talent. That safety it. Tandy, he had a lot of picks at the end of the season. Yeah, Keith Tandy. Yeah, he made. I remember he had a big play against New Orleans, but we'll see. Free agency starts. But days officially, but. I know I know there's some Falcon fans that are grumbling right now that we're hyping up the Bucks as we have done too many times on this podcast in previous years, and the Bucks are known for spending a lot of money in free agency and getting absolutely nothing in a return on investment. So we can hope that that happens again if they go out yeah, and make some of these big moves. But the Bucks have some leeway now; they've actually proved themselves to an extent. Fair enough. You know, I, you know, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I can put. Calais Campbell on the same level as Anthony Collins or anything like that, but we'll see. Anthony Collins on that, but yeah, Campbell. I think everyone knows him by now. Phenomenal talent, but Lance's not going to spend that. Like I'm wondering uh, after hearing Poe might command ten million, all that Hankins talk. Pretty much, you could erase it. Uh, another another name that I'm sort of interested in, just because this. 
like he's sort of being hailed as this under the radar signing and the Falcons seem to love to make these sorts of moves is uh John Simon from the Texans. Like I've seen him on a couple of lists as, as sort of the sleeper free agent guy that would be a good get for somebody. And um you know to be honest with you I can't say that I have seen a lot of John Simon over the years to have a, a good idea of what type of player he is. You know I've seen flashes of him when I watched the Texans and whatnot and he seemed like a, a, a solid role player but um, you know, people are talking about him as, you know, I guess maybe in a similar way as people talked about Paul Kruger when he hit the market and, and potentially might actually live up to the expectations that Kruger did not in Cleveland. Do you have any thoughts on that? Isn't John Simon like 245, 250? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just like to me, the when we signed Brooks Reed and when we signed Derek Shelby, it just like John Simon would be like a seems to be like a guy that's in that same vein sort of move. So I just felt like I should mention it just in case the Falcons, you know. I haven't given it much consideration. All right. Well, we, it's been it's been discussed, I guess, okay. if you can call it that. If it happens, uh, we covered all I'll our make bases. Sure, uh, if, if he gets signed, I'll make sure to watch five games of him and do a breakdown so okay. I can educate myself because I'll admit I barely know who he is. Okay. I know he was part of a really good Houston front seven they're pretty creative with them, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Uh, I just thought maybe if you had some thoughts on it. So we, we, I think we covered all the edge rushers, unless you got something to say about Daryl Tapp. Oh. <laughs> Eric Wallen's out there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we hit up everybody. Yeah, where can we go find on Twitter? I'm at FalkFans. You can find me at Alan underscore Sturk. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. Tomorrow we'll be talking about the guards. Maybe we'll get into a little bit of a tight end talk just because who knows, Toilolo might go elsewhere and they might feel the need to sign a tight end. And we'll talk maybe a little bit about linebackers because I do think we'll see at least one linebacker signing just because I don't see Warlow, Reynolds, and Westwood all coming back, especially since Paul Warlow is commanding so much interest on the open market. Or soon to be open market, NFL terms. Yes. But uh, yeah, we'll get into some linebacker talk, and I think that's about it for positions. There's really not much we could touch on. Like, I'm not really going to get into free safeties because it looks like Poole's going to get a shot there, or Carl Allen's still there, so I don't feel the need to talk about free safeties. So we're going to stick to guards, tight ends, and linebackers. There you go. Um, yeah, I know we got one iTunes review that we, we need to get to at some point this week. That, that person's probably dying to hear uh, his words or her words right on the next air. Next week, once we have some more time around, right now it's, it's the heck, one of the most hectic times of year for agencies. So yeah. We'll do iTunes reviews and maybe we'll do some Q&A next week when things die down. But for now, we're in go mode. Yeah. Even uh, the, the irony is going to be you say that like things die down, and this week the Falcons are going to do absolutely nothing. We're going to hear nothing on the Falcons' front, and then next week is going to be their week when they start making moves. Hopefully they at least resign a few players this week. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. One in particular. but um, I would say two in particular. Okay. I, I could take uh, most of them, but one guy I'm going to be having – you're going to hear some words if he does not come back to Atlanta. I've done a total 180 on Kamal Ejimama. Big fan. He went from being roast on this podcast two years ago to being big-time favorite. Fair enough. So, on that, we'll be back tomorrow. 
we'll be doing. Oh, we should probably let listeners know um, there will actually be a Saturday morning show because uh, we are probably going to do a show Friday night. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to do shows all weekend. Yeah, that that's something we haven't done yet. We've, I think we've done a show almost every day except on a Saturday. So be on the lookout for that in the future. There you go. Let's go. Uh, Saturday morning as you're taking your the wife out to bed bath and beyond you can uh, tune, uh, tune to us the one and only time most likely Excellent. <laughs> unless hey the, remember the Falcons they were uh, in cahoots with Michael Bennett on St. Patrick's Day too so oh my god I remember I was in calculus tutoring because I was so hopeless in calculus I needed extra tutoring and I just remember like checking my phone for 15 minutes are they going to trade Michael Bennett are they going to get Michael Bennett please say they're going to get Michael Bennett and hey, it was fun for about seven hours, but that day just didn't happen. But I don't think St. Patrick's Day is on Friday this year, so that's why I'm making the reference. Okay, I remember that Michael Bennett fiasco. I I sort of missed it all. And, oh, uh, man. Like I didn't see the initial rumor, and I I came at it like seven hours later. I'm like, oh, that was a thing today. Oh, okay. God, I was so excited. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine if I had been there from the beginning, that would have been a, a very hectic day. Yes. Uh, anyway, we'll be back tomorrow, everyone, and try not to get too upset if the Falcons aren't mentioned with any of these free agents. Remember, they made the Super Bowl. This roster is really good. Yes, it is, including Chris Chester. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you... Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.